This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winners Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and I'm House Razor. I'm here with Dan Selkie. He's going to be joining us tonight. Isis, Corey Bone, and Corey Smith. And we are going to be talking about some fun topics like the Game of Thrones prequels that are coming out, or actually starting filming soon, we hope. And we've got a little bit of uh, Season 8 filming news, and it's all wrapped up, but... Since the last time we talked, there's been some uh, developments. So, let's get right into it. Let's start with the old stuff first. Dan, uh, you talked about this a lot on Take the Black Live for the past couple of weeks. Um, season 8 is now officially over. Um, uh, Kit Harrington has danced his last dance at the rap party. And um, they the big news was King's Landing, how it basically... Was burned down, right? Yes, to a cinder razor. That's correct. Okay, so walk us through this. They it had the big all for about what almost what six seven months now. It's been a big sprawling, beautiful city set and uh, buildings popping up as it goes. And then uh, towards the last weeks of filming, especially the last week, they just basically wrecked it, right? Yeah, like so, it makes sense. So they built it up. Big and beautiful, and then the last like three over like a three week period, they just bashed the hell out of it and burnt down the buildings, and you know added soot everywhere and spoke hotel was rising. It was fun, so I'm sure it'll result in a, a an explosive, exciting to watch King's Landing under attack sequence. Which you know, it's been eight years, we never really got a proper battle in the streets of King's Landing, so that should be a, right. a fun new way to round out the, the series. I can see that. I can see liking that. All we've really had is the Battle of Blackwater. Um, and the, uh, Sept of Valor being blown up. So, it's high time that King's Landing, uh, gets its just reward. But, I guess this kind of ruins the whole, let's leave it up so people can come tour it later, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I was wondering that. Like, I wonder if they're going to rebuild those parts, or just maybe people would rather walk around the blackened ruins of the city. I don't know. I'd take either. I, I would too. I would do it. I, I would go visit it anytime. But, um, let's talk about, um, talk to me about the siege towers that you said were weird because it has, what, animal skins on them? Oh, uh, no, just, uh, you know, they're bringing all kinds of props. They had, you know, dragon green screen props. And at one point they had these 
just bizarre looking uh skin and fur covered towers that kind of look like unholy flesh buildings, but I think are just siege towers covered in skin so they can't be set on fire. Corey Smith, I've heard people say that they're Dothraki siege towers, but Dothraki don't build siege towers, do they? Yeah, they definitely, if you just saw it in a vacuum, because they're covered in horse hides or animal hides, you would assume they're they're Dothraki, and in medieval sieges, you cover siege towers with hides to keep them from catching the fire. Um, I think even in some of the books, George mentions that, uh, like when the wildlings are storming the wall and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these are one of those things where we see the pictures, they're super clear, and we just can't put our finger on what it is. Um, so yeah, maybe it's still Thraki, maybe they had to build siege towers. They've also never really, you know, stormed a Westerosi castle. So, you know, the other, you know, Essos had cities and had walls, but I think this is just kind of a different thing for them. So, you know, if they're trying to get into the Red Keep, they'd need it, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, we don't really know. And maybe it ends up just being something super obvious and they're just siege towers that Dothraki built. But uh, it really could be kind of anything or everything at this point because we just can't put our fingers on it. Isis, how are you doing tonight? I am here. I'm just listening to Corey just drone on and not making <laughs> an so I'm sorry. I, I lost interest. I, I lost interest because he just like kind of just waffled back and forth. And I, I just was like, okay, I've totally lost interest in this conversation. We are officially back whenever Isis is making fun of Smith. But Isis, I have to ask you, if you... See these siege towers covered in animal furs. You're obviously thinking Dothraki, but we saw in season obviously. seven that the army of the dead had giants with bows on their shoulders. What if it's towers that are built from the dead? Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really work with me. I, no, just I mean I'm I'm super serious. Like I'm so not invested in this conversation. I really I mean maybe it's because I'm not a book reader. Or whatever. I, I'm just totally not invested in. Nobody's like, a book reader right now. Nobody's reading any books. Well, well, or you know, I'm just not invested in this conversation of whether what it is, what is it, or what could it be. No, I would. I'm so much more invested in maybe about the prequels and and things like that. I mean, I really, I, I just don't see how this is going to push the the story forward. I may be wrong. I mean, golly. So, I know. I, I'm, I come back after a hiatus, and I'm just freaking just lobbing bombs today. But we wouldn't I, have just, it any other way, to be honest. Well, yeah. I know. But I mean, like, just you know, it's over. Filming's over. What's yeah. next? I'm just like, yeah. What's next? I mean, maybe I'm holding on to I mean, it just, because it's it's over forever. Maybe I'm just sad. It's real to me. <laughs> Sansa is real. Just like filming. I'll jump in with. With ISIS on on this one, and just saying, I don't really care too much about discussing the siege tower because it's it's a siege it's a siege yeah it's minutiae. This is like, I mean, you know, I get why there are people out there, and I know that there are three of them on this podcast that are the kind of people <laughs> that would really really like to talk about all the options for the siege tower. You know, uh, what it could be, who who built it, where's it at. What's the significance? Why the skins? Blah, and they have me and ISIS. They're like, <laughs> like 
I just but but it's, Corey, Corey, it's Corey. probably just gonna listen. If, if, uh, the only siege towers I'm even familiar with are pushed by trolls toward the <laughs> toward like the Minister Gate. He did so, it, like, folks. I don't, Corey Thone, yeah. after two or three weeks off, has fit in a Lord of the Rings comment into yeah. this podcast, and I am fucking proud of him. I'm just gonna. If put you it guys down. look behind me, there's I think a banner. You all drink. Yeah, I'm, all right, I got you. Drink. <laughs> Way ahead of you. Way yeah. ahead of you. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, but no. Uh, but let me ask you this. So, so you don't want to talk about siege towers, but are, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. No, I, I me, do. do you? Are you concerned about what uh, Sophie Turner is going to be wearing? Because I know you really love costumes, and you want to talk about. Talking to me, right? Yeah, you, you, absolutely, you, totally you. Yeah, I'm assuming it'll be clothes, probably <laughs> a fabric, maybe a blend, and it will be uh, worn on her body, possibly her head, and will certainly give someone something to talk about somewhere. But in my household, uh, we will not be discussing clothing a year out. <laughs> you are, um, as always, no, a stalwart. Person of this podcast. As for me in my house, we will talk about <laughs> season. Two you will of serve Atlanta. the Lord of Light. Gotcha, um, Corey Smith. Well, I will say this: when it does come time to talk about her clothing, I will talk about it, but not not months before we even get to see it. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I I get that. We'll get onto that when it happens. But since everybody wants to move on to the prequels, let's just get right into it. Yeah, we could talk oh, about. They're making prequels. What? Yeah, obviously. Shut the front door. Now, we already know that the Age of Heroes slash Long Night, whatever it's going to be about prequel, um, is has been greenlit, at least the pilot has. And the, we got news that uh, from the Belfast Telegraph that filming could start in October. Um, that's pretty exciting. And they're going to be returning to the Titanic Quarter, which HBO is familiar with. So that's kind of cool. Um, but... We also got news since the last time we recorded of another prequel that takes place during uh, the time of Old Valyria, where House Targaryen comes from, called Empire of Ash. We don't know if this is confirmed. It's kind of like a, Dan, you know the word I'm looking for, unsubstantiated report, correct? I think it's a solid word. Good job. Yeah. So, um, Dan, you, you, you caught this story. Um, what, what is, so, let us know what's going on. Obviously, some of us know what Old Valyria is before the uneducated masses out there. Uh, <laughs> I think I, you're talking about us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell us what. Tell us what this would be about. Sure. Okay. So, an unsubstantiated but extremely detailed rumor set a tiny corner of the internet on fire last week when a person who works on the Game of Thrones wiki, I think, so they claim to be tapped in. This could be completely false, by the way, but I just it's still exciting. Um, claim to have just detailed knowledge that would be all about um, old Valyria. So Daenerys's ancestors living in Valyria, that place that Jorah and Tyrion sailed through in season five. Mm-hmm. And just uh, everybody's on dragons. It's like the Roman Empire at its height, and it would be about the collapse of it through uh, the Davos. They have a client state would be a big part of it. On uh, Horios, the other continent we never really see, it would have, you know, it, it, it would be like Game of Thrones. There'd be different characters, different factions, kind of battling for supremacy. And on the horizon would be uh, what happened to Valyria, which is the doom. It all goes up in smoke. All the dragons die, and it turns into that ruin we see on Game of Thrones. So it would be a series all about leading up to that and kind of uh, the political 
social and military uh, events that took it down, a la the Roman Empire falling. Right, and so they're not gonna. It's not gonna just be dragons and dragon lords. They're also gonna have like, uh, did I read is it correctly? Uh, either a former slave or a slave trader or somebody who rises into the political atmosphere of old Valyria. I forget exactly how that went, but there's gonna be a lot of different aspects into this uh, into this show. And I, when we first moving got moving parts, moving parts, and, it, and when we first got news of prequels, I wanted something from Valyria because. I've always been a fan of House Targaryen, the dragons, and I thought it would be neat. My only concern is, um, if we do a show about Old Valyria in Pyrebash, it's going to be have to be CGI heavy. Um, now, Corey Thelen, I'm going to take this question to you. Um, as I always say, you're our resident uh, television expert. Uh, Americana, uh, what, how do you feel about a show, even though it's HBO, and probably, if it's gonna be HBO and they go for it, it's gonna be well done, obviously. How do you feel about a show that's gonna be heavily CGI like that? Uh, it's gonna be expensive to make it look good. It's, you know, going to take, um, I don't know, I feel like they're gonna have to work to establish the tone of a new show. Like that's, if you're gonna go, Lots of CGI. If you're going to change the entire, like it's not going to be in Westeros. It's going right. to be in the other place, Easteros or whatever. And they, um, uh, you know, it's it's going to if they try to match beat for beat with season one and two of Game of Thrones, it's going to fail because it's not. And, and I don't think they'll make that mistake. But at the same time, they wouldn't be the first network to make that mistake. Right. And uh, you know, good networks have have done like. You know, the most successful spinoffs are ones that find their own voice in the universe. The best example right now is Better Call Saul, which I would argue is better than Breaking Bad. And it's, uh, it is outstanding. And the reason is because it, it's not as dark yet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it still gets dark, but it's a little more funny. It, it, you know, with Game of Thrones, there are moments of levity. There are, uh, if they're going to lean really hard into the magic, because I want to understand that era was far more magical. Right. So if we're going to go hard into magic and CGI, fine. But I don't know if you want to try to 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 also mix in the type of political maneuvering you had in the beginning of Game of Thrones, which was much more grounded in just standard, you know, like like era appropriate political maneuvering. I don't know. I don't know if that really makes sense, but that's what would concern me about it. Is, right. It being this this fifty fifty split of magic and dragons out the gate, and oh, also here's a you know monologue about climbing the ladder or whatever, <laughs> so breaking the will. Yeah, uh, Isis, you aren't really a big fan of this. It seems like I didn't like the fact that you said who was in charge of this was the same guy who did Godzilla. That, I was like, that sounds absolutely awful. I, I absolutely hate the idea that this guy from, that did the Godzilla movie, the most current one, because that, that just sounds like an awful, awful idea to go ahead and right. give this person who, also, I mean, god damn, that's just an awful idea. And I well, you know, they, they build that movie, I'm sorry, I hate that movie too, and they, they build it as, <laughs> Heisenberg versus Godzilla. They killed him off in like 30 minutes. And then we got the a movie that was literally centered around like 
just everything was just so I can't say serendipitous as shit. Like, oh, I think the worst part of the movie, if you guys can, because I hate this movie enough that I've talked about hating it enough. That do you remember when the, I actually watched it, which is actually yeah, I went to the okay, but it had a it had like a seventy plus percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. It was like a well reviewed movie, and then I get there and just got a pile of shit. And there's like the part where Aaron Taylor, whatever his name is, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, finds uh, <laughs> the, there's like a the big mass of people running, right? And you're like, okay, so we know that you're not going to kill him, right? Like he's not going to die yet. So they just have this blonde girl. By the way, they're in Japan, and he just finds like the one blonde <laughs> kid, like, and, and he grabs the kid and protects her finds from Wanda Godzilla. From, from the, then when the Godzilla Avengers. leaves. In this mass of a million people in the city, her parents are just standing like right there. And he's like, "Here's your kid back," and then like he goes off to his next adventure. And I, I wanted to leave. I was so mad at how bad that movie was. Anyway, I just back to you. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. I thank you for adding some context. I myself have not watched that movie. I saved the money and put it to a better movie watch. Uh, but I, I. Mama Mia, right? I enjoy your dedication to hate watching a movie. So, no, I just, I mean, you know, the premise sounds really cool. I, I don't have a problem with it. It is going to be CGI heavy, you know. Um, it, it would almost be like, you know what, I'd almost probably watch an animated version of that versus watching a live action if it's going to be so CGI heavy. You know what I mean? Is there a legitimate drama that is animated. Like, you know, you have Netflix has, you know, like F is for family and Bojack Horseman. You know, those shows are adult for sure, but they're still rooted in comedy and, um, you know, Big Mouth or whatever. Obviously, you have the Simpsons, the Family Guy and the Fox Linus. Those are all comedies. Archer is a comedy. I- I'm, I'm really trying to rack my brain. Has there been a, a legitimately big budgeted, wow. you know, uh, serious drama animated on TV. I don't think so. Like, not out of Japan, maybe. And actually... Oh, yeah. I was actually... I meant to say anime would be sure, the only thing that I... But, but that is... A, that's Japanese, and B, it's also, like, its own jam. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, it animates its own whole thing. But, I mean, I, I think the idea is really interesting because, I mean, what's HBO want here? It wants to replicate the success of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. The problem is you don't have the novelty anymore. You've already done Game of Thrones. Like, so, and the the, the, the type of day at the walk is, can we have a new show that's as exciting and as popular as Game of Thrones, even though it's going to tread some new territory? So actually, I think the idea of doing, like, a dramatic cartoon for an American audience, like, it can be the first thing to do that. Like, Game of Thrones was the first show to kind of marry the fantasy and the prestige TV on that huge scale. Like, if it really wants a big hit, I feel like it can't just do what Game of Thrones is. It's got to try something really new, and uh, it's going to be hard for a network that wants a guaranteed return on investment. And the last, the as, last, as we just saw from their press conference. <laughs> right, right, yes. right. The oh, last, no. the last animated show that I can think even went halfway serious was uh, the Clone Wars. But yeah, that's a decent example. But that was also on Cartoon Network and was definitely PG. Right, right, right. Um, I and, think- and, and honestly, when I think of movies too, like the the most re- the like animated movies for adults that were mainstream market marketed, 
Like, was the last one Beowulf? With oh, Ray wow. And even that. It's, yeah, it's a weird yeah, that's that's amazing. No, what was the one with the, the hamburger bun? No, the hot dog buns. But it was, well, a, okay. it was And that, that was a comedy. Sausage party. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sausage, sausage party. party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but oh, that, my that God. Was a comedy. <laughs> that was good. Look, I, I'm just trying to keep it real. No, that's but no, it was good. But, but even even maybe even um, uh, The Hobbit back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah those hand-drawn yeah, hobbits terrified me. They haunted my dreams. The Nazgul yeah. scared the shit out of me. Yeah. There was like a, a mini explosion like the 80s of like um, Ralph Bakshi-inspired hardcore animated movies like Heavy Metal and The Hobbit movies. The Transformer like movie, come on, man. Back in but the yeah, day, I mean, and <laughs> Optimus Prime fucking died in that cartoon movie. It, it made me cry. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I, I guess I'm just trying to think about it out of the, you know, out of the box. What can they do to still kind of, you know, set the bar really high, but understanding the limitations that they have, you know, with CGI and the cost associated. I mean, they could, I bet you they could get some really huge names in a cartoon to voice these actors versus having to say, oh, I, I, I'm going to need you for four months or five months, you know, to to film, you know, this stuff. Man, they could be popping in all kinds of guest stars to do the voicing of a lot of these actors. So, you know, I'm just here for the hot takes. And, and if HBO <laughs> goes down this route, um, I would like to see some residuals. Uh, I'm just saying. In, in all seriousness, though, if you do um, an anime show and you bring in voice actors, like many pe- a lot of people didn't realize this until they looked into it. But in the Clone Wars, the voice the voice actors for like Obi Wan and Anakin, they weren't the actors themselves. They were like Aaron Taylor for um, for Obi Wan, like all these or Anakin. So all these different actors. In fact, when they did the, the Force Awakens, they brought in the guy who did the voice of Obi Wan. They brought in Ewan McGregor, and they took an audio recording of uh, Alec Guinness. So they put it all together. So voice actors they can replicate. You know, even if you did something that leaned on the show now, at Game, as we know at Game of Thrones, you don't have to bring in these big name actors. You can just bring in whoever can sound like them, and you're fine. But well, uh, if you're if you're at HBO level, you gonna bring in some names. I mean, I'm just gonna put it out there. But I mean, you're not you're you're you got a budget to go. I mean, especially if you're going to go ahead and save save money and stuff and you're going to do an animated series. Um, I mean, you you can pay some some ducats to go ahead and bring some um, some really good, well-known names. And it's funny um, that it's funny that it's phone brings up the fact you know, the press, the press release that HBO did. And, you know, they talked about um well, what was what was the soundbite they gave you there? They, it's not just uh, something every month. They want something all the time, like every hour or something like that. I forget exactly how it was. No, no. It, it was a, a, a town hall meeting right. with um, the new kind of head of the media department of, HBO, uh, of AT&T. AT&T bought HBO. They're coming in. They're going to make changes because that's what a company does when it takes over. And they just talked about how they want greater penetration. They want to... Yeah, uh, conquer. Yeah. <laughs> and I love this podcast. More people's time, and that means they want Ashley to make more content, right? And um, the fact that we heard about this Empire of Ash thing not long after that, I mean, I wonder if it's the result because I mean, we heard way back before the merger happened that they that they were looking at all these different ideas, and maybe one or two or three of them will become actual shows. I mean, HBO didn't need AT and T to tell them. Hey, make a Game of Thrones prequel. People will watch it and pay you money. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if AT&T was the catalyst, but 
I'm sure it will make them happy to have more than one uh, Game of Thrones prequel on the air, if it's even true. Let's let's uh, underline that too. This is all rumor. And if you're going, you know, like I was trying to say, if you're going to go down this path of, uh, you know, ha ha ha, deeper penetration. But if you want to do that, and you want to keep up with the Joneses of Amazon and Netflix and. Hell, even DCEU's got their own streaming service coming out. Disney's got a streaming service coming out. If HBO wants to try something along those lines, you know, maybe merge HBO Now, HBO Go, and everything they've got going on into a streaming service, having multiple prequels, uh, animated, live, you know, live action, even a movie based in, in, in the Game of Thrones universe would be, it would be instantly successful for, for, even if, even if the prequel doesn't last maybe one season, it's still going to be successful from when it's on the air. So, um, and I still maintain, and we talked about it last time, that the best way for them to tell Game of Thrones stories going forward is not to do another seven or eight season series, but to do right. anthologies. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that uh, is, like True Detective style or whatever, uh, American Horror Story, I mean, whichever one you want to look at, you can cast for one season. You'll get people, like Isis was saying, you know, nobody wants to commit to five to six seasons. No big name of stopping around in the shit, right? But if you can just tell them one season, all like, I mean, like that. To me, that that is where I would be most most interested in hearing what they have planned. Not two series coming out in the next, you know, twelve to eighteen months that are Game of Thrones series with whole new sprawling casts and stuff like that. I don't know. Like I'm worried about them overextending. The universe and oversaturating it out the gate. So. Like Star yeah, Wars I is right with, now. No, I agree with Corey. I mean, that's an awesome take as far as like you know what they're doing with um, the uh, American horror story, whatever. I don't actually watch that show, but I like the premise. I do. I'll say it. <laughs> I just like the premise that they change it every year, and it, and it may have some of the same people come back, but it's it's supposedly a, a new storyline or whatever the case may be. So I really think that is a really in- interesting take and i think that maybe they can control costs that way as well one of the best um, and the- not only that it makes it really snappy as far as their storytelling because they're not having to say oh well we got to wait until we really reveal that in season two we can't reveal that in season point. one and stretch it out well one of the, and to, to go to wrap this little part of the conversation up one of the best things that happened to i don't know if you guys remember the spartacus series um it Tragically, you know, the main actor that played Spartacus died, but when he, when he first got cancer, they had to take, they wanted to take time off, but instead of doing that, they made a prequel season, Spartacus Blood and Sand. They tied in a bunch of new gladiators. They told the story of House Body Us and then brought them in at the very end of the series. So it worked out in that regard. Like, you know, something like that that happens with HBO and all the money they have to throw into a series like this, telling anthology seasons or you know, tying a prequel into the main series uh, would be great. Corey Smith, I have a question for you because we haven't heard much from you. Um, what would be your – we already talked about Empire of Ash. We talked about a little bit about the Age of Heroes. If, if you're looking at what they, they – they greenlit five, or they said they were going to approve five. So if you're looking at prequel ideas, what are you looking forward to? I mean, what are you looking at? What would you want to see? Well – I just think it's interesting that, uh, of, like you guys are saying, that if they want to replicate the success, it shouldn't be something that's the same as what we have already seen, right? So, to me, I think they picked the two series 
that are as different as any series could be. Um, because between the Age of Heroes and, you know, Valeria, how, whatever shape that takes, you don't have Westeros. You're not doing Robert's Rebellion or Aegon's Conquest or, you know, something like that. So, um, you know, I think they've already chosen the two that are different. Um, and then I don't know that I necessarily buy that all the details that came out about this Valeria series. Um, but I, I don't think it's far-fetched because, you know, Martin said that they're still in various stages of development on the other ones and that they could see another one getting, you know what I mean, developed. Um, and they did only order a pilot of Age of Heroes. So I don't think it's far-fetched to think that they might order two pilots and then pick from one of them. See which one uh, tests better, huh? Right. You know, especially when you consider they are choosing the two ones that are as different as can be. Um, they they might be not worried, but just they want to ensure that they, they get something that everybody's going to watch. Um, my biggest problem, I know you are circling back a little bit, but as far as animation goes, uh, my only problem with that would be is, you know, one of the best parts about Game of Thrones is not necessarily its special effects, but the acting of the cast. Um, you know, Lena Headey makes her scenes. Peter Dinklage makes his scenes. And if we move to an animated form, I think a lot of that gets lost um, in the medium. So, you mean like not connecting to the characters? Yeah, I, I mean it's not that you can't tell you can't tell a compelling story or something that that people want to watch or that has a good plot or something like that, but animation can't match human acting, I guess is, is my point. Well, let me, and, let me, let me counterpoint you with that really quick. Um, there was a, and I suck at you in a second. I see you, you want to say something, but there was an animated series from, for the star Wars that just finished last this past year, uh, star Wars rebels. It was kind of a kitty cartoon, but it had some nice moments in it, like the clone wars. And, in the very end, spoiler alert, the main Jedi character dies. Uh, he was voiced, he was voiced, he was voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. It was a big deal. And that was an emotional moment. Like, if you watch that series over the, it's, I think it was like four seasons, you really got invested in this character and he, you know, he had a love story with one of the other characters. He mentored another Jedi. They brought in a character from the Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff. It was a really, really, really good and connected, connected character. So I think you can have an animated show. And um, you can connect to characters, especially I, if the story's told correctly. Yeah, and I, no, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just talking about we, it, it's going to be compared to Game of Thrones, no matter what, right? And mm-hmm. so if you and and in, if it was in a vacuum, and this was just some new show that was coming out, then yeah, it could work. But I think that it, it's always going to be compared to the mother show, the original, whatever you want to call it. And that show stands on the backs of just colossal performances from a cast that, you know, top to bottom is just downright amazing. And so, All right, can I, I say, can, can I cut in here for a second? Go, yeah, Look, go ahead. Corey, I'm going to tell you right now, I know you're new to this daddy game and all, <laughs> and so you may be new to be watching um, animated movies and things like that. But let me tell you, uh, Toy Story 
all of them. All right. I, I've seen Toy uh, Story. Hold on. Uh, stop. I'm talking. Uh, all right. All right. I'm talking about grown ass people crying, sobbing, sobbing. I'm going to talk about, let's talk about video games that people play and that are, are showing the facial ex- uh, expressions and the body movements of those people that have, that are basically like animated movies. Uh, you know, and we're talking about just like these cutscenes for different video games. Uh, Oblivion comes to mind who actually had a bunch of Game of Thrones stars actually in that video game, just the FYI. And I'm not even a gamer and I know that. Um, you know, all of these different things. Don't tell me that we don't have the technology or the, the ability to tell a story, an animated story that could move people to tears or can show those inflections in movies that are or TV shows like Game of Thrones and, and can't be done in a video game or an animated uh, film or, or things like that. Don't tell me that your, 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 your whole premise <laughs> falls completely flat just on those examples alone. And may God have mercy on your soul. I, I mean, I, I'm just being honest. I mean, I, I'm talking about grown people. I will say here. it's funny, uh, you know, my, uh, fiance she doesn't really cry at movies that have real people but if you make it a panda that knows kung fu connecting with his dad she will sob like a baby it make any sense. we went and saw incredibles 2 cried at the end of that i was like damn girl you made it four and a half minutes into the, this feature before you started to cry like i i get what Corey is saying though i because i if it was so easy to make a dramatic show animated, then there would be an example we could pull from. So, and, and the issue too, and, and, and I'll let, I know Dan has, cause we, I know you talked about it, but the other issue too, is you really have two ways to approach it. Do you create your own characters and their own look and then have to be voiced by somebody? Or do you try to do like some polar express shit? And oh God. Make Tom Hanks' face animated. And how your like, dreams. Yeah, so anyway, so go ahead, Dan. Okay, um, I have two points. Uh, first, I, I just want to say how, how happy I am that we're, we basically started talking about a fantasy world. Like, HBO is not making an anime. I will no, not at all. Really <laughs> good money. So, 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 we're, so we're just talking fantasy, and that's great. Like, I, I love that we're completely in imaginary Narnia land. Because uh, why? Why not? It's more fun. It's here. better than talking about fucking siege towers. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. Um, but I, I agree with, with Isis and, and Corey Thone that just it's – I'd just like to add that if, if you make an animated series about Game of Thrones, one other benefit is it makes it stand out, which is going to be – I guess I said it's one of the big challenges they have. I mean, if they make – I mean, yes, Corey Smith, you're right that they've chosen things that are different. You know, um, Age of Heroes versus Valyria. They have different characters, different geography, different time periods. But there's still going to be these big sweeping – performance-based, interspersed with, you know, amazing action battles kind of shows like Game of Thrones. You make it an animated show, you have to find a new tone. You have to find a new way to make characters interesting interesting that isn't like the old way. And I think that is something they're going to need. Like, they're going to need incentive to push them into new areas to make a new show actually exciting. It's not going to be enough to lean on the old stuff. So, even though it is complete fantasy land, I would be utterly down for this. I am so... On board with like Adam Reed making 
basically Archer in Westeros. Is, uh, who gives a shit about a dragon like that kind of? <laughs> Lana. Um, yeah, exactly. I, that kind of. And I think I mentioned that Dan in your Facebook Live podcast Q and A that like if if I would be down with if they're going to do two shows, you know, you have your hour long, you know, uh, you know, drama. Why not make, I mean, I made the joke of making it like The Office, where it's like a bunch of financial people or something, but like... Bravos or something, yeah. Yeah, Bravos. But like, I mean, really, just like making one that's a lot more lighthearted, like it doesn't yeah, have to have any warriors in it, just like, like there are people in Westeros that literally just farm and shit, like there's there's stories to be told all over the place. That's when you, and that's where you know, like Star Wars has, I think, Drop the ball a little bit with their one-off movies. Is we keep focusing on, you know, events that are tied into the original trilogy. The whenever it's like characters. there's there is a huge universe out there, and I really don't want Westeros to solo themselves. And <laughs> which you know was fine, but it's like why are you wasting time telling me this when you could have made your an original screenplay that was basically Seven Samurai but with Jedi. You know, like there's which is exactly what Joss Whedon wanted to do. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's the same thing with with Westeros. Like I'm I'm on board. I, I know it's interesting to talk about uh you know what happened when the dragon people all got burned up by a volcano or whatever or whenever there were children in the forest everywhere like they were everybody's neighbor. Um that's fine, but there's also like non-magical stories out there and you know there's a lot of fun stuff in this universe cuz it's so in depth that Martin's created. So you know, I want that. I, I really, I think that fans are way more on board with that, even casual fans, than studios think. So I, I, I would love. Now uh, that being said, of course, everything I just said is stupid because AT and T made it very clear that they don't want that kind of shit. They want content that can be easily absorbed on a Wednesday. So anyway, well, I, I mean, at the same time, like, and I, I agree with you completely. And uh, I mean, AT and T wants more content. I the, the one that I always went to for like a shorter half hour one. I always pictured it would be a good idea if they had like a a half hour sitcom set in the in at the crossroads around <laughs> Hot Pie. Yes, like hot, like Hot Pie of Sam Malone, and it's yeah. just a Cheers like thing where it's just <laughs> every episode in the crossroads, travelers come through, travelers leave. Maybe Hot Pie romances the Baker girl. Like just they have an on again, off again. What do they do thing? I mean. I would actually love it if if they made a one-hour epic and then paired it with something shorter and quicker and lighter. It would make me more willing to watch the one-hour epic if I could, like, wash it down with some funny hot pie shenanigans at the end of the crossroads. Or like, <laughs> you want to go where everybody knows your house? Exactly. <laughs> uh, that, that was great. Awesome. I think that, that, awesome. that is the cherry on top. I actually... I was trying to think of something and I had nothing. So well done. <laughs> yeah, bravo. No, that, I think I think, and it's so funny because like we've just spent I don't know like twenty minutes talking or 30. probably longer, thirty minutes talking about this this thing that will never ever ever happen. But I hope that the maybe the powers that be hear that you know we're we're you know the people are looking for something different and it it may be super far-fetched and everything but i think that i think that the way we consume our um our you know tv shows and things are like that are just not traditional anymore so why do tv shows need to be so traditional you know what i mean and um so i guess that was my kind of my point going everything's this, bingy like, now like i sometimes won't even watch 
a series until the season's over so I can binge them all in a couple of days. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I agree. You know, I, I will say, HBO has never made any kind of spinoff before. And HBO's made some weird shit. Everybody remember John from Cincinnati, which is like a yeah, surfer drama? <laughs> yeah, that was weird as fuck. Bring like, back Carnival. Yes! Carnival! I just, I just rewatched that. But the point is, like, may- maybe Disney wouldn't do something risky like this, but you know, maybe HBO has the balls to try something different. It's possible. Less so now that AT&T owns them. But yeah. possible. Yeah. Well, um, well cool. at least it, people who are listening to this podcast can tell us what they think of that idea. That's that's the key. I mean, I mean, maybe we're just completely yeah, off us, base. Tell us what your dream spinoff is. Like I've heard, I've seen people talking about if you're going to animate, do you animate Dunkin' Egg? Like that's the thing. Oh yes, that would be the best animated. You know, and you could make that pretty lighthearted and stuff. And it's like, but you know, I've seen I've seen people talk about it on social media outlets, Twitter and responses or whatever. So let us know on Wick, like what in the comments here, what. What what is your dream? Not just what is your dream story, but how, what's the the style? Like, are you are you hoping for more? I mean, like, because I really feel like Game of Thrones provides lots of opportunity for different styles. I mean, you could really do a you could double down on a Fincher style, you know, drama, or you could really open it up and and do some, you know, J.J. Abrams action. Like, there's a lot to do. So, players. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> minus the strobing. But, no, yeah, tell us in the comments or tweet us, um, you know, and tell us what you think. Because, I mean, you know, I think this is the time to kind of really tell them. Hey, There's still like, a year till the show comes back. So Yeah, exactly. Plenty of time. So, plenty of time. <laughs> well, uh, Corey Smith, I know that you just got drummed on, like completely washed out of that conversation. So, I, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, let's be clear. I'd watch a fucking animated show of Game of Thrones. Oh, I'm now not... he will. Guys. Now he no, will. I. It's literally. Hold on. I've written an article about this on Wick. It's literally in print like three months ago, saying that I would watch the show. Oh, I didn't read it. I will. I will. I didn't read it. Hopefully, at least Dan read it. I read it. It's delightful. Okay. I read but, it too. So there you go. But my, I mean, I just. I don't necessarily see the masses watching it, and that was my point. So I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch. I watch the histories and lore on the on the DVD extras. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that could be yeah, a good. Those, those are lit story. though. Like they're excellent. <laughs> yeah. So get, I mean, it can get be that done. Guy. It can be done. I just don't know that <laughs> people that are like. <laughs> yeah, get that guy to do it. I, I just don't or know girl. that it could be done. Give, uh, give me Rose Leslie. Uh, Narrated one because her her section when she did it for like season one or two, that was amazing. So put her back. Oh, in. the wildlings! Hell, I'd like I would love to know more about the wildlings. That, yeah, that would be a north of the wall story. would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. Hell because yeah! There's a hundred different clans up there, and that'd be fun. Like my vote is like I I, I know they want the one hour epic, and I'd watch it. I want it paired with something smaller. Like that would expand, you know, that that would a, a more content, which they want, and B just bring some variety in there. You can do the one traditional and one something new. That's what I'm hoping for. We'll see. Just like I was really I was really shocked they didn't pick Duncan A. I know that they said from the get go that it wasn't uh, a possibility, but 
I just thought like it, it would have been made a great show because it would be a little more episodic um, and it would be smaller. You'd only have these big, huge characters dropping in from time to time. Yeah, everybody know? in that book is basically a cameo. Right, exactly. I, so you would I have Pylon Corey Smith, but I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the reason I wasn't surprised they chose it was because they said from the start, it's I just not, said that. I know, but like, what's I, I, but the way the way Dan Stan said it made you sound like an idiot. So I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, that. No, I, I second that. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm just saying it, it, it would have be been. Right. It would have fulfilled what you're saying, and just would have been a smaller show, and it would have been cheaper to make for the most part. You'd have some special effects, but for the most part, it would have been them traveling around Westeros. I mean, they go from. Dorn to the Reach to eventually supposed to, they're supposed to get to Winterfell and you know and they just meet people and they're on the roads and they have little adventures and it, I just thought it would have made a lot better uh, of a you know show and it would have been different but uh, still the same enough that people would have tuned in. So well, awesome. I would self-contained. Go, it's so good. I would go just on. be I would be happy with Jerome Flynn. Uh, doing like music videos at the end of each episode, I would I would be happy with like just going around to different castles and singing like body tunes. I'd be happy with that. But uh, yep. you know what? Um, we we were like originally there was a plan to uh, talk about some Sophie Turner comments about her ruining Winterfell in season eight. But I, you know what, man, it's not something that I really want to get into right now. Because we could talk about that for another hour. So we're not going to get into that tonight. I think it's where we are. We can cut it and call it good. So. Um, make sure that you do leave some comments and let us know either on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comment below of this article when you, when you listen to the podcast what you would like to see in a prequel series. So for myself, for Dan, thanks for joining us tonight, and I hope you join us more often. For Corey Thumb, for Corey Smith, and for Isis, this has been Take the Black Podcast, Malab Mobulis. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.